Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tea to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, uh, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Rodrigo, and right here beside me is none other than Legends Tour and LPGA professional Cindy Miller. How are you doing? I'm doing great. The sun is out in <laughs> Buffalo. It's going to be over 65 wow. today. Put on wow, that's incredible. Let's go get better. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, that's unusual. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really well, we kind of... Well, we had snow um, on the ground last week. I, I know. That's what I was just about to say. It's been a really unusual uh, last week or so. I know I was talking to some friends of mine uh, back home in Canada, and... Uh, they were posting all kinds of, uh, you know, photos on Facebook, and uh, I thought, now nah, this has just got to be a joke. And no, they had uh, a good little dumping of snow uh, just last week. So yeah, and then now they're expected to, you know, uh, be warm like like where you are. So yeah, I, I don't know what's going on, but um, I'm glad that the sun's out and I'm glad it's shining. All right, we've got a great show for you this morning. Uh, we're going to be joined here by in just a moment by a young lady from the Symmetra Tour. Uh, she played in last weekend's tournament and actually finished tied as runner-up. And she uh, very graciously and generously uh, decided to join us this morning and tell us a little bit about what happened and uh, what some of her future plans are. And then a little bit later on, uh, we are going to, uh, Cindy and I, that is, uh, are going to circle uh, a, into a great discussion in the No BS Zone. Uh, we're going to talk about five steps to get up and down from the bunker. Everybody that seems to be a nemesis for a lot of amateur golfers. So uh, we're going to see if we can uh, offer a few tips to help them. So let me introduce Samantha, and then Cindy will welcome her to the show. Uh, Samantha Wagner is our very special guest this morning from the Symmetra Tour, and she is a native of Windermere, Florida, and also in, attended the University of Florida in Gainesville. Uh, she competed for Team USA in the 2012 Junior Ryder Cup. Uh, she was also a member of the USA for the 2013 Junior Solheim Cup. Uh, uh, spent a couple of years at the University of Florida and named to 2016 All-SEC Freshman Team. Uh, qualified and made for her professional debut at the 2017 U.S. Women's Open Championship. Uh, completed 72 uh, holes at the uh, 2017 LPGA Final Qualifying Tournament to earn uh, first earn her Symmetra Tour membership as a 2018 rookie and finished tied for runner-up at this past weekend's Copper Rock Championship. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Samantha Wagner. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? <clears throat> We're doing great. You're really from Windermere, Florida? Um, 
so I've spent over half my life in Florida, but I was actually born in Pennsylvania. Um, oh. Fun fact. <laughs> but I moved to Florida when hmm. I was 11 with my family. So I've spent more time in Florida now. So I guess, I, I guess I'm a Floridian. <laughs> awesome. Now, let me ask you this. Did you move to Florida because of your golf game? Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, my brother and I and both where did you go? Okay. Go ahead. Uh, did you go to the Ledbetter Academy? What academy did you go to? Actually, yes, I did. I went to the Ledbetter Academy at Champions Gate um, for about six years. Hmm. And then, Let me wow. ask you, yeah. how was that? <laughs> it was good. Um it wasn't IMG, so, like, I didn't go to school there. I went to a different school. Um, but my coach was there, spent a lot of time there when I lived up north. So when we decided to move down here, it was because I was traveling down to Orlando so much. Anyway. Got it. Mm-hmm. Who was your coach at uh, the Ledbetter Academy? I worked with Kevin Smelt. Oh. And do you know Bob Winters? Yes. Yeah, I worked with him um, actually through my high school. Not through Ledbetter, but through my high school. <laughs> through your high school? Where did you go to high school? Um, Circle Christian in Winter Park. He worked with our golf team, um, I want to say for two years. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he did. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you this for the young junior players, boy or girl that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be honest and okay. you will be because you went to a Christian school. So I'm assuming you're a good kid. Um, <laughs> what would you tell an aspiring junior golfer who wants to play on tour? When should they totally commit to doing what you did, is 11 too young? Is it too old? When's the perfect time to do this to commit? Whether you go away to go to school or you stay home and totally commit yourself. That's an interesting question because I think, you know, I have a lot of friends who who really committed to it at different points in their career. Um, I think for me, like, I became obsessed with golf at a very young age. So when I reached 11 and was like miserable when I couldn't golf in the winter, it kind of became obvious that this is something I really wanted to do. Um, But I would say when I like completely committed to golf, I was 15. Um, I quit playing soccer when I was 15. I I played both sports. Um, So I would say that was probably when I, like I committed to Florida when I was 15. So like that was really when I knew that that was the path I was on. Um, I feel like it varies, but I would say somewhere high school, if, if you know, you really want to do it, that's when you've, you've got to commit to it. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think 11 a little young. I mean, knowing that you really want to play, that's one thing, but yeah, for sure. moving to a different state to do it 24 seven, don't mm-hmm. you think that's a little young? I do, yeah, and and I definitely, my parents did a really, really good job about not letting my brother and I 
play golf 24 seven. Um, I mean, logistically made sense to move to Florida because that's where my coach was, but we went to normal school. We did full days at school, um, played other sports. Um, like I was not living and breathing golf all the time, but it just made okay, life good. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Good. Yeah. I agree. That was kind of a baited question. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I just, I feel like you need to be well-rounded. And I think at 11, sure. you don't know. Yeah, you have to have other things in your life besides golf. Because, again, so I would ask you this. Do you ever get burned out? Like in the winter, do you say, I'm not going to touch a club for a while? Um, That is something I actually have had to, like, kind of reteach myself now that I live in Florida, I feel like. And especially now that I'm playing professionally. Um. I do, when season is over, now put my clubs away for almost a month, I'd say, and then my off-season until about a month before season starts, I only golf like five days a week, maybe four. Um, So I definitely, like, something I learned because I did get really tired in the beginning, like my rookie year, Um, but I haven't necessarily burned out yet. I think I've got a better manage on it now. Awesome. Ted, yeah. go ahead. Well, since you took my burnout question, Cindy, I'm going to have to ask uh, Samantha something else. That was exactly what I was going to ask her, um, but uh, great answer. So I'm going to ask you something a, a little bit in reverse. So obviously, as you're obviously very passionate about your game and, and you love your game, mm-hmm. um, but there's always, there's always moments when you get up and you just, I don't want to go to the range today or I don't feel like playing today. How do you motivate yourself? What do you say to yourself? Uh, or, I mean, first off, have you ever had that, that you know, moment where you just got up and you just didn't feel like hitting the course this, this particular day? Um, what did you do to motivate yourself? What, were, what was the thought process, and what did you say to yourself internally? Um, it's actually interesting. I don't have a lot of those days, but when I do, I usually go to the gym first. Um, and that, for me, like, motivates me a little more. Um, I love working out, so it's <laughs> probably a good, good, better start to the day than going straight to the range anyway. Um, but I think, like, in college I did struggle a lot more so not – Um, just one day in general, I just struggled like sometimes with going to the course and practicing. And I think for me, like I, golf has always been like a, not an escape in a way, but I've just loved going to the golf course to like kind of decompress too. So Mm -hmm. when I'm struggling with golf, I actually enjoy going to the golf course in a weird way, like in a reverse psychological way I guess on myself I go there anyway (laughs) um I've just been kind of weird like that my entire life (laughs) um I don't I don't think I've ever needed to motivate myself too much to go to the golf course I guess it's a better question yeah no no that's great no and and it's true I mean you know I, I think if you're doing what you're doing and that is, you know, playing at a, at a much higher level than the average golfer out there, you already have the motivation to go. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. as Cindy said, you know, you don't want to burn yourself out. And there's, there's days when, you know, maybe you're just not feeling well and, um, and you've got to give yourself that extra push. That's why I was asking you that. Um, I want to ask you a follow-up question because it was interesting because you mentioned about going to the gym. And we yeah. particularly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on the boys here because, 
you know, boys, men, whatever you want to classify them, have a very innate uh, problem when they go to the gym. They think they've got to bulk up and they've got to do this. That's obviously not conducive to a good golf game. So uh, you may have some specific things that you enjoy doing, but overall, if you were advising somebody uh, to exercise in some format, whatever it may be, that would best help their golf game, what would be involved in that? Obviously, there might be some you know, weightlifting or light weightlifting involved, but that's mm-hmm. not really what's going to help their golf game. So give us an idea. Give us a rundown of what you do that really sort of zeroes in on helping your game. Yeah, I mean, I think as a golfer, I've, I've kind of tried every, everything you could possibly do. Um, I did the, like, bulk up weightlifting for a while. Didn't like it. Um, I didn't like how it made me feel. Um, and I also lost a lot of my swing with that process. Um, mm-hmm. So about a year ago, I started working out at this place in Orlando called New Dimensions Wellness, and they do um, very natural weightlifting. Um, like I don't lift heavy. Um, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. is body weight. Um, prevents injuries. I haven't been injured, knock on wood, in golf mm-hmm. in a long time. Um, I just – but I'm, I think we use a lot of resistance bands. It's just more natural, more healthy for your body than I think, like, you know, going and lifting, deadlifting and doing all of that stuff. Um, I went on this journey in the off season. I'm still on it, but, like, kind of not as much now that I'm on the road about trying to pick up speed in my golf swing. And I did it pretty quickly without even lifting heavy weights which has been pretty good for me, and I've enjoyed it. Um, but I'm not muscular. Like, I've definitely leaned out through that process, which is, you know, like, like you said, the guys like to bulk up. For, for me, like, personally, I just didn't like how that felt. So I kind of did the reverse thing, and it's worked out pretty well. Well, but I do you know, work what, out a what lot, people don't so real. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's important. You, you do have to have some sort of fitness regime, and, and I know a lot of the, the other uh, girls on the tour with you, I know many that we've talked to here on the show, you know, have some mm-hmm. sort of a fitness routine. Some may, may have more cardio, you know, uh, you know, to help increase their stamina out there in the golf course because, you know, you're, you're playing 18 holes for several days. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. Most people can't yeah. do that. Um, so you have to have some stamina and you certainly do have to keep your muscles in shape and, and toned and, and things like that. But you're right. Um, the biggest problem that I see, particularly with, with the guys is they think, well, I'm going to just lift weights and that's going to help my club head speed and that's going to do that. And it really actually has the opposite effect because they get too big and then they just don't have the, the freedom of movement. So I want to jump back, uh, to talking about the tournament, uh, this past week, uh, weekend, excuse me, was the, uh, the, the copper rock championship in Utah. Um, you didn't mm-hmm. win, uh, but you tied for, for runner-up. Give us an overview of how you rated your performance. What was it that you feel you did really well during the event? And what sort of, I don't want to say let you down, but what part of your game maybe uh, just wasn't quite up to snuff and, and uh, you know, hampered your, your ability to, to you know, win the tournament? For sure. Um, well, I would say, like, overall, I'd rate my performance as, like, hmm maybe B plus, A minus. Um, I don't know if you heard anything about the conditions that we played in, but the final round was like 30-mile-an-hour gusting winds. Um, so it was a new experience for me. 
to play in wind like that, but um, I felt really comfortable with um, how my my dad caddied for me last week, how my dad and I worked together. Um, I would say, though, my putting let me down a little bit. Um, I missed a lot of birdie opportunities over the entire week. Um, But then on the last day, I putted really, really well. So let me down the first two days got it back and played the last day. Um, <laughs> but overall, like, it was a great tournament. It was my best finish so far on this Metro Tour. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really happy about that. And um, I'm just excited with where my game is at. Like, I feel like I putted well. I just wasn't making putts, and sometimes that happens. Yeah, putting seems to be there's, – there's a pattern, I think, because, you know, <laughs> more often than not – most of the girls that we've had on here will say essentially the same thing. Uh, you know, they're hitting the ball well, they're driving it pretty well, but, you know, their putting maybe was a little sketchy on a round or two, and that kind of, you know, lost, uh, uh, you know, some birdie opportunities there. So it sounds kind of, you know, very similar. And and I think it's a common thing as well for a lot of players to get out there and, uh, you know, you're hitting the ball well, you're out practicing and that, so you're you're working on, on making good solid contact. Um, you might miss a few, you know, greens and regulation here and there, but overall your game's pretty solid. But for some reason, putting always seems to let everybody down, um, and that's an area that um, can either be on, as it was for you on Sunday, um, mm-hmm. or it can be a little off, as it was for the other day. So, um, very interesting. Um, Cindy, go ahead. What do you like best about playing golf for a living? I think I love just being on the road and like going to different places and playing different golf courses. That's always been something I've enjoyed. I love traveling. Um, I also love being my own boss in a weird way. Like I just control my schedule. I, I get to pick what I'm doing at practice every day. I get to pick when I go to the gym. Um, I mean, I obviously have a very great team around me that is very supportive, but I love that I'm, like, I think in junior golf, like, you know, your parents think for you, pick which tournaments you go. Like, you have a little bit of say, but, like, now I'm I'm more in control of that, which is a new place to be. Like, my rookie year, like, I still kind of, like, had trouble adjusting to that. But, like, now I'm much better about, like, saying, like, being very vocal about, oh, I don't want to go to this tournament or I really want to go to this Monday qualifier or this open qualifier, stuff like that. Like, I'm just a lot more vocal about owning my game now, um, which I've really enjoyed um, growing that aspect of myself. Um, yeah, so those are probably my two, t- my top two favorite things. I would agree playing. with you. I love playing. <laughs> you know, what's funny, our son uh, played at Augusta State and then tried to play and missed qualifying school and you know, it was always a shot here, a shot there. And he finally said, you know, I, I don't want to do this and keep trying. So he majored in finance and he, he was trying to get a job and he had two different offers. And one was to work at a bank behind a desk and one mm-hmm. was to be an independent financial advisor. And he's like, I have to start at zero. I'm not going to make any money unless I perform. And I said, You've been self-employed your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
again, I said, I can't see you sitting behind a desk and having them say you can't go play in this pro-am. And he and one other guy are the only two out of their class of 200 people that are still doing it. But so the, the lessons that playing teach you, you know, again, I, I'm unemployable myself. I mean, we teach at a public driving range at Buffalo to start every year at zero. Why? Because I loved playing on tour. My husband and I are the only, mm-hmm. you know, married couple in the world that have played on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour. And it's like I love, you know, with the gun to my head, you got to perform or you don't make a dime. Yeah. So it's a, it's a sick thing that we've done, but it's good for us, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you've definitely got to have a tough, tough uh, sense of self to play golf. Um, you know, my brother um, did not go and try professionally. He has, he works for a great company, has a desk job, but doesn't, doesn't necessarily like the fact that he, you know, can't go golf still whenever he wants in the afternoon. Um, but like, I just can't imagine myself doing that. I love being in control of, of, yeah, myself. And like, you're right. Like you've got to go out and, earn your money <laughs> in a way. And right. I don't know. I enjoy it. <laughs> well, again, you know, do you want to hunt for food or be fed? <laughs> yeah. I want to hunt. <laughs> I want to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little sick, but that's, that's a, okay. <laughs> that's a great analogy. I love that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> So, um, Samantha, let me ask you something. Uh, we're getting close to our time, so we, but we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, one of the problems that I think that a lot of amateurs have uh, is they don't know how to practice very well. They get out there, and you, you've seen it, I'm sure, yourself, um, if you're playing in a pro-am and you see the amateurs out there and, and they're just sort of raking balls over and hitting one after another, and there's not really much uh, purpose behind it. Um, walk mm-hmm. us through a little bit about what, what you do and what advice would you give our amateur golfers that uh, are tuning in this morning um, a good way or a good practice regime, if you will, to get into? And obviously everybody's different, um, but what would be an overall, a, a generic version, if you will, of what you do that would better serve our amateur golfers? Yeah, um, I do not spend a lot of time on the range, maybe an hour max a day, um, doing and mainly only doing drills that my coach and I have really set up. Like obviously I go through my warm up, but um, a lot of my range time is spent on a hundred yards and in and drills, um, swing drills that my coach and I have set up for myself. And then I'm either on the course or play or doing um, a bunch of putting drills and short game drills. Um, I mean, obviously a very oversimplified version of what I do every day, but I don't spend a lot of time on the range. I did when I was younger and I really didn't like it. Um, so I'd rather, I'd personally rather be out on the course in, in real life situations. Um, but that's kind of my take on practice. But I think in terms of like what I would recommend is like set goals for yourself. Like if, if being on the range is, is all you can do, make little games for yourself, like hit between two flags and like make that your fairway or, um, 
sometimes like set up like a head cover like 40 50 yards out into the side of the range and hit to that or something like that like try and make it fun and enjoyable instead of just like beating golf balls i think is something i would right. recommend yeah right and and that's un- that's unfortunately the beating the golf balls is what a lot of our amateur golfers do now obviously if you're you know, if you're just doing a warm-up before you're about to play, you can't get into all of the mechanics and things like that. You're just really trying to find what game you're going to bring to the golf course that day. But, it, you know, if you're going out to, to practice, you know, at a, a def- another point where you, when you're not playing, you want to have, as I said, a purpose to it. So taking your hour of, of practice, and I like the fact that you don't overdo it, and that's important too because I think, mm-hmm. again, I've seen people spend half a day out the range, and by the time they're done, their knuckles are white and you know, their hands are bleeding and they think, well, great, I'm going to play great next, you know, on Saturday. And this is two days before and they haven't healed. Um, so if you were to put it in a, in a percentage of your hour, how much, in, in a percentage-wise, how much is focused around the short game, you know, obviously chipping, pitching, that sort of thing, and obviously putting, um, as opposed to, you know, swing mechanics and things like that and, and, you know, working on the long game, your driver and so forth. So what would be the percentage ratio, if you will, of your hour? How much time do you spend in this area? How much time do you spend in that area and so forth? Oh, well, I mean, the hour is normally just on the range. Putting I spend a lot more time on. Right. Like just take that. Okay. Um, But if I were in like an hour um, percentage-wise, I'd probably say – Maybe thirty percent is like mechanics and like long clubs, and then mm-hmm. did I say twenty? Yeah, um, I would say forty, fifty percent is nine iron and under, like just the scoring clubs, um, really hammering out distances and targets, and then the rest of that probably just free hitting and getting a feel for it. Hmm. And then a lot of That's people are cutting on the side. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Cindy. Well, I just want to I want to interject something because I think what you're doing, Samantha, is perfect when you know how to hit the ball. And yeah. mm-hmm. and I I think that I agree with you. I can't stand practicing. I would much rather practice on the golf course. Um, but I also believe that if you're working on changing something in your swing, just whacking away can, sometimes you don't focus on what you're doing. So I think drills, again, that's Mm -hmm. awesome to do drills and, and that will help you get the feel of what you're trying to change and then mixing Mm -hmm. it up. And I don't think, again, I totally agree with you, drills and practice short game because you can skink it out there somewhere. And if you can yeah. get it up and down, you can score. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Great. I mean, the most important part of the game is short game and putting always. Um, I went over, I did a complete swing change a year and a half ago, almost years ago with my coach. And I spent the entire off season on the range, which was really hard for me. Um, but it was the only way to get the swing to like really set in. And now I can like be like, okay, I'm only going to the range for 40 minutes today, but then I'm going on the course and I'll be fine. And I can figure it out on the course if things go wrong. But like, you're right. Like when you're making a swing change or learning how to go off, like drills are the best way to do it on the range. Kind of just depends on where you're at. I guess you could say. Totally agree. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's some. I think that's some great advice. So moving forward, uh, you're at the next event, and you've got a practice round this afternoon. What's going to be your game plan going into this event? Obviously, you're going to try to win the tournament, but what's uh, what's your thought based on what happened last week? Um, you know, you had mm-hmm. some gusty wind come up, and uh, that obviously affected play in that. So have you got a strategy going into this week? Yeah, well, the good news is it'll probably be windy here in Kansas. Um, <laughs> so I'm used <laughs> to the wind now. Um, but kind of strategy, I think I took a few days off, really rested, um, playing 18 this afternoon, kind of just, I know the course already, I've played it before, so kind of just get reacclimated to the grass and how the course is set up, and um, tomorrow will be a practice day, and then another 18 holes before the tournament starts. Um, I think for me, like, being my third week in a row, like, I'm kind of just taking it very slow and being very patient with getting used to the course, because I don't want to burn out before the tournament even starts. But, um, yeah, I think goal is always to win, and I'm really excited with where my game's at after last week. So just keep doing what I've been doing and have fun and enjoy it. I think that's fantastic, awesome. and that's some great advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Samantha, thank you for joining us this morning, and good luck this week. Um, and thank if you, you win, you'll come back and, and you'll talk to us next week if you win. So uh, get out there and work really hard, and, and mo- most importantly – uh, that's if you want to come back, you know, who knows. Um, but uh, most importantly, have fun out there and, and enjoy the game because that's really what it's all about. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, you guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. Good Thank good you luck, for joining honey. us. <laughs> Thank you. All right. All right. That was Samantha Wagner, uh, runner-up last weekend's Copper Rock Championship on the Symmetra Tour. Uh, she's in Kansas uh, this week. Dorothy, hopefully uh, – Dorothy, go Cindy. I knew I was going to say. I knew I was going to say that. Uh, okay, she's in job. Kansas. I don't know where the I don't know where the heck I am, but uh, she's in Kansas. All right, we're going to quick message uh, from Golf Tips, and then we're going to enter into the no BS zone. Take a the listen. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right. Um, Very interesting. Before we get into our discussion, uh, very interesting young lady. And I I like the fact that, you know, um, Cindy, that she knows enough to step away once in a while and not burn herself out. You know, that was something I was going to ask. I mean, you obviously asked her that question, but I was thinking about that when she said, you know, she went to the Ledbetter Academy and, and, you know, worked on her game earlier on and got to where she is now. And we hear so many stories of these young juniors getting into that same, uh, you know, rhythm, if you will, getting burnt out. And I think it's so important for these uh, youngsters to certainly get out there, have fun, work hard on your game if you want to get at that higher level. 
but you've got to find balance in your life because I know, Cindy, you've uh, witnessed it yourself working with a lot of juniors, particularly um, where they just get burnt out, right? They do. They do. And, you know, uh, I'm just grateful that her parents were smart enough to let her have balance in her life because otherwise it's just too much and they get sick of it. And then something else, you know, they could, it's just not good mentally or physically. So, well, I, let me, again, let me, yeah, I, yeah, let me ask you to have a balance, but go ahead. Right. No, what I was going to ask you, because maybe think you were, you were talking about, of course, your son, Jamie, who you were, you were referring to earlier, um, who, who played, uh, you know, uh, golf. What did he do? What did, you know, because, you know, here he's got two parents that played professional golf. Uh, obviously, he wants to get out there. He loves the game. He's been introduced to the game and that. Um, what did he do, do you know, to prevent himself from getting burned out? Obviously, he loved playing and he wants to get out, and, you know, I'm sure play as much as possible. But did he find himself? Did you notice or did he ever have discussions where he said, you know, I'm getting kind of burnt out here or, or what? Or did that not happen? You know, it didn't. But we didn't ship him off somewhere that golf. Right. And, and I don't mean – she didn't get shipped off. She She's doing it the right way. No. And we have a student that I from right. Buffalo that I teach short game stuff to who went down to the Ledbetter Academy, did the same exact thing, went to a different school, right? So she had normal school, mm-hmm. but she went this winter because she could do high school or middle school is what she did remotely mm-hmm. and then work on her game and not be in the snow. I understand that, but when they – ship them right. off to golf school and school with golf and all golf. No. So Jamie was never, Jamie never left Buffalo right. unless it was for a tournament. So, and, and in the winter, you know, you, it's kind of like a forced layoff up here, even though we right. were in the dome, he would go to mm-hmm. work with us some days, you know, so he was in there for, you know, 12 hours sometimes in the dome, but he would help pick up <laughs> balls. He would talk to people. You know, and and we have three children, so it wasn't like he was an only child, but he's the only one that wanted to go to work with us. So right. he he loved it. I don't think he ever really got burned out. I think he got frustrated, you know, like most of us do. Well, we but yeah, we all do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's but interesting, and you're, yeah, no, that's great because uh, again, I think when what happens with, and we've talked about this before, and I, and I, I won't you know get into it too much because we've got to move on, but. You know, we've talked about this before where sometimes parents push their children so much, you know, because they want them to succeed and, you know, they're living vicariously through their children, whatever the case may be. And the kid just gets burnt out to the point they don't even like golf anymore. And it's a shame because it's a great game, as we know. Um, and as I'm, I know, obviously, Jamie uh, enjoys it as well. And I think it's great that, you know, you exposed him to the game, but you let him go at his pace and what he really wanted to do and you weren't there sort of, you know, constantly on his back. Okay, come on, Jamie, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. Uh, you just let him sort of be around and exposed to it and then let him take, you know, nature, take its course, if you will. And, and obviously it has served him well, uh, both business and, and, uh, uh, you know, for fun, as I said, all right, we gotta, we gotta move on. Um, as I said, we're going to talk about, Five easy steps to get up and down from the bunker. This is bunker shots, Cindy, as you know, are some of the most difficult in golf for many people, uh, particularly many of our high handicappers. Hitting the ball out of the sand uh, certainly requires a technique that is unlike any other uh, shot in the game. 
combine that with the fact that every kind of sand is different, and uh, you obviously have a recipe for a difficult up and down. Uh, one of the first uh, steps, if you will, that's important is club selection. Um, if you don't select the correct club from the bunker, uh, you'll have no chance. So talk about that because there's a, depending on the type of bunker shot you have, can dictate. I mean, obviously, we, we, most people that played it for any length of time know there's a sand wedge. Uh, and it can vary in the degrees, uh, you know, 56 degrees for some and, and even higher. Uh, but that may not always be the best club depending on the circumstances. So give us a, an idea um, what you factors you consider before you select the club you're going to use. Are we talking greenside bunker or fairway bunker? Well, that's, a, that's, what I'm, that's my point. That's what I'm saying is there's different uh, bunkers. So obviously you're going to, you know, if you're a fairway bunker uh, and you're, you know, 60, 70 yards away, your sand wedge is probably not going to be the club of choice. So, yeah, just sort of general. Give us a general idea of when you're thinking well, about what you're looking at. One, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one of my biggest mistakes in a fairway bunker is thinking I can get over the lip with the longest club possible. So if I'm 160 out and there's mm. no lip, I'll take the club that will get me to the green. But if I'm 160 out and there's a huge lip, I'm just mm -hmm. warning everyone, take enough, take the club with the most loft to get over the lip because there's nothing worse than not getting out of the bunker or hitting the lip and right. having it just dribble. So um, make sure that in a, in a fairway bunker that you take enough club to get over the lip. That's the most important part. Take the longest club that you believe you can get over the lip and make it go as far as you need it to go. Um, Greenside bunker, depending on how close you are to the hole and how big the lip is, how far mm -hmm. you need to fly it, you will take the club. Like if you're right next to the hole and there's a big lip, then I would take a 60-degree sand wedge. 58, 59, and 60 are all lob wedges. 54, 55, mm -hmm. and 56 are sand wedges. And then 49, 50, 51 are gap wedges. So I would mm -hmm. never use a gap wedge or a sand wedge if I'm real close to the lip and have to get it up and make it stop fast. The more roll you can have, you might use mm -hmm. a sand wedge. And then I've got to back up one more time because we teach an awful lot of beginners and they believe right. that if they're in a fairway bunker they have to use their sand wedge get out mm -hmm. and that's not the case use as long as right. as you can and, use to get over the bunk over the lip right and that's why it's it, that's what i was getting at that's why it's important you've really got to you know everybody thinks well, okay sand wedge i'm in the sand i've got to use that it may not be the right club depending on the circumstance so you have to really evaluate the circumstances of, of the shot that you're faced with. Again, if, if the pin's really close to where you are in the bunker, um, you know, uh, sand wedge may not be the option for you. Or if, if it's on the other side of the green, the pin I'm referring to, and you've got a little bit more roll and distance to go, um, you know, again, that's going to dictate what, what club selection you're going to use. Uh, and you also have to consider the bounce as well. There's bounce on the club, which is the bottom uh, behind the leading edge, if you will, and that plays a role. If you have a lot of bounce uh, or not so much bounce, some clubs are different, so you have to factor those in, and that's why it's important to practice. The other thing that comes into play, uh, the next step, is to evaluate the sand, depending on where you're playing. If you're playing here in Florida, 
the sand is different than maybe, maybe bunkers up in Buffalo or, or another part of the United States. So um, that's something as well. Uh, just like a shot from the rough, you'll need to evaluate the type of lie your ball has. Uh, if the sand is packed or wet, or if it's uh, drier or finer, as in some cases, uh, depending on the sand's condition, uh, is going to affect your, your strategy, correct? Yes, yes, for sure. You know, and, and what do you, you know, people suggest? don't understand. Well, I, I, think, I think for, again, obviously, number one, you're going to look at your club selection. Uh, if you've got a, a fine sort of fluffy sand, like down here in Florida, many of our golf courses are very fluffy. Same thing as out in California, but it's even different coast to coast. It's amazing, you know, going just even a few miles in, in any direction, uh, you know, from I'm talking about states, uh, state, uh, you know, you can have a difference in the type of sand. For, for a wet uh, sand, as an example, uh, you're not going to be able to open up the club face the same as you would in something that's a little fluffier or, or uh, uh, you know, a drier sand because the, the club face is, is not going to be able to get underneath the ball, which happens in a bunker shot. So you might, instead of opening up the sand face and using uh, uh, the club face and using the, the bounce, you might keep it a little bit more closed because you, you're going to need to be able to dig in. It's almost more of a thumping action in wet sand. You, you, the purpose is really to get the ball out of the bunker. And you're not going to be – if, if it's just rained and you've got a really packed and wet bunker that you're in, you're not going to be able to get under the ball as easily with your sand wedge or whatever club you've selected. So you might actually have to abbreviate your swing a little bit uh, and keep the club face shut a little bit more or more – you know perpendicular to the to the uh, target line as opposed to opening the club face um, because that way you're going to be able to ensure the idea ultimately Cindy is you want to be able to get the ball out of the bunker um, and as close to your target whatever that may be but you're exactly right in, in what you said earlier is if you've got you know 150 160 yards in the case of a fairway bunker and you've got a huge lip in front of you you're not going to select the club that you're going to normally hit 150, 160 yards because you're more likely going to hit the lip and you're going to end up in the bunker. So um, evaluate the sand. Make sure you choose the right club. The other thing is setting the club face. This is where uh, you know, you've evaluated what the condition of the sand is. Uh, you need to obviously select the club face. If the sand is packed, you want more shut club face, as I mentioned, whereas if it's fine, you want to open it up a little bit more. So that's what it's referring to, setting the club face, and I've already mentioned that. Um, so I don't think we need to, to, you know, belabor that unless you have other thoughts you want to, you want to inject. Nope. Okay. I do not. Uh, so yeah. So if it's a, a wet or packed sand, keep the club face more shut, sandy lie or fluffy lie, open it up a little bit more because you need to dig down and get it underneath the ball to help lift it out. Uh, number four is adjust your setup. Um, Give us an idea, uh, Cindy. Again, it's going to vary the type of shot, but a general, say, run-of-the-mill greenside bunker shot. Give us an idea of what uh, you recommend uh, to in- increase the-, the likelihood of success of getting that ball out. How are we going to set up? I would definitely open the face in a greenside bunker with somewhat fluffy sand that's not dry, or I mean wet. Um, I would definitely dig my feet in so I'm not going to slip and slide. I would aim an inch behind the ball. I would also take a practice swing before I walk in the bunker, just to try to feel, you know, Mm -hmm. letting it hinge up and then sweep through it. 
I've got to make sure I let the club head go down into the sand and make sure you follow through. Do not dig to China. Yeah. What else do you suggest? <laughs> well, here's here's the general rule of thumb. We're going to just take, a, a, again, a normal, because, again, there's variances, and, and this is why you need to be practicing when you go to the, to the range. Uh, most of them will have a bunker there that you can work on, and you want to try out these things. But here's generally for sort of a run-of-the-mill vanilla if you will, type bunker shot. Uh, again, uh, depending on where your target, if the pin's very close, you're going to really want to open up your stance. You want to play the ball a little bit more forward in your stance, but you want to hit, as you said, an inch, sometimes even two inches behind uh, the ball because you're, you're hitting the stand first. You're not hitting the ball first, unlike you would out in the fairway. Uh, you want to open the club face as well because you want to help to get the ball up high, sort of pop up, if you will, and come down quickly for uh, a, a situation where the flag is close. The other thing, too, as you mentioned about digging the feet in, you definitely want to dig the feet in. You don't have to, again, go too deep, but you want to get in to, to help solidify the base that you're going to work with because the sand obviously shifts a little bit, so you don't want to be you know, slipping and sliding, whatever. So you want to get a good, solid base. The other thing that I always recommend for most golfers, and many forget this, some people do it differently, but I highly recommend this. If you're wiggling your feet down or shifting your feet down, digging into the sand a little bit to, to incur that solid base, you need to choke down just a little bit on your golf club as well because what's happening now is you've lowered your center of gravity, and if you're keeping the club uh, in the same grip that you normally have where you're up near the top of the the, uh, the handle, more often than not, you're going to end up hitting it uh, too deep and it's just going to thump in the sand. So you need to choke down just a little bit, not a lot, maybe half an inch, depending on how far you went down, an inch at the most, just to make sure that you're now somewhat level uh, that you need to be. So open the club face up. If the ball, as I said, if it's a little, or sorry, if the target or flag is a little further away, in other words, if it's on the other side of the green, you don't necessarily have to have the club face open as much. You don't necessarily have to have it square, but you uh, don't have to open it up as much as you would if the flag was right up next uh, to where the bunker is. Because in that case, the ball is going to pop up and come down very quickly. If you need a little bit of a run, you want to close the, or uh, keep the club face uh, shut a little bit more and not open up as, as much. But that's pretty much the general rule. And again, practice, practice, practice. Um, number five, and this is one, too, it's a little bit different. We see a lot of people getting very flat. Uh, what I mean by flat is the plane, the swing plane, is very, very flat in, in a bunker shot. For We see a lot of people doing That's not correct. You actually want to steepen uh, your swing a little bit. A shot, it needs to have a steep angle of attack, and uh, it's a great way to achieve this by hinging your wrists uh, aggressively. So instead of just sort of a nice, long, wide arc, Cindy, we want to sort of, as we're taking it back, we want to cock the wrist a little bit early because we want to encourage a steeper swing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of pretend that the ball is midnight, and I kind of want to hinge my wrists up and let the club head swing out to 2 o'clock so it's like a mm -hmm. quick pickup uh, and then slide underneath it. So that's, kind of, that's what I do. You got it? Yep. The other thing is make sure you use the bounce. The bounce yes. on the on the sand wedge is a big fat glob of metal, and that's why it was created by Gene Saracen is to help it mm -hmm. glide through the sand and not dig through with the leading edge. So don't be afraid to mm -hmm. open the face and let that bounce hit the sand. 
Yep, that's exactly what it's there for, uh, and, and you're exactly right. And the other thing, too, is now, again, some bunker shots, uh, if you're up close near the lip, you're not going to be able to follow through the same way. But typically for a bunker shot, if you're out in the middle or you're a little further back from the lip, let's say, you want to follow through. Uh, again, we see this so many times, Cindy, with a lot of our, uh, our, our club golfers, uh, amateur golfers, is we see them, they, they go back, everything goes great, and then they come down uh, you know, to, to get the ball out of the sand, and then they just all of a sudden stop. And the ball just sort of you know, pops a few inches or maybe a foot and stays in the bunker. You've got to follow through. And you've got to make sure you follow through because that's what's going to help. The momentum is going to help get the ball and the sand uh, out, of the, uh, out of the bunker and onto the green or, or advance it down the fairway, depending on if it's a fairway bunker. Uh, so that's uh, critical as well. So those are just some general steps. Um, I strongly encourage you, if you're just tuning in a little bit later in the show, go back and listen to that because what we're telling you is, is going to help you. You know, the bunker shot really for many, if you ask most pros, is one of the easiest shots in golf. But the problem is most people don't understand the techniques and they don't really understand what to do or they think they've got to hit the ball first because that's what they're taught in every other shot and that's not the case. You're actually taking the sand first and the ball is sort of riding like a carpet, if you will, uh, as the sand uh, carries it out of the bunker. But you've got to, again, you've got to make sure you've selected the right club. Uh, You want to make sure you check the sand, what type of sand it is that you're playing, Make sure that you either utilizing the bounce by setting the club face either open or keeping a little bit closed depending on the circumstances. Adjust your setup accordingly and make sure you steepen your swing a little bit. And as Cindy said, dig down a little bit in the sand to give yourself a good solid base. So those are some great tips to do. Listen to the show. Go back and listen to this segment of the show if you're not clear on things. And I guarantee you're going to improve your bunker uh, play as well. All right, Cindy, we got a, had a great show and we're going to hopefully have a, a a uh, winner next week from the Symmetra Tour. Who knows? Maybe Samantha will come back and join us uh, if she wins this weekend. That would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I was uh, just a quick note. I, I wanted because we've had her on a couple times this year. Rajin Liu uh, actually finished seventeenth <laughs> last week. So she didn't, yeah, she didn't have as good of a <clears throat> excuse me. She didn't have as good of an event, but she was still uh, you know. Uh, in fact, she started off pretty good in, in her last uh, round. Uh, I think. Uh, the, the wind stymied her a little bit, so I think that's where she lost some strokes. But uh, she had a pretty good event overall. But uh, and of course, Rajin lo- uh, won uh, two events this year, as um, you know, out of her three events that she's played. So she's she's a rock star. She's currently number one in the uh, race for the card on the Symmetra Tour. So she's holding that spot um, quite a bit over the the next uh, runner-up. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. Maybe she'll be back uh, again sometime this year. I'm sure in fact, I'm sure she will if she keeps playing the way she has been. So, all right. Thanks for joining us. Again, thank you to our special guest, Samantha Wagner. Good luck this week. And thank you for tuning in to the Women of Golf. As always, Cindy, go and enjoy that sun, uh, that beautiful sun today. Put some sunscreen on and go and help some golfers. Thanks, honey. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, 
you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.